forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! I've got with me Jeff Astroff and Sharon Horgan, the creators of Shining Vale, which has begun this week on Stars. Thank you both for being here so much. I'm a fan of both of you. We've wanted to get you on the show forever, so I appreciate this. Let's start with Shining Veil and see where the conversation takes us. Where did this come from? Whose bright idea was this? How did you two get together, and where? when did the idea start to formulate? So we'll start at the beginning, because we've, uh, yes, this is... Uh... The idea formulated in uh, on the other end of the Atlantic from where we are uh, <laughs> with, with Sharon. Sharon's told the story. We each take turns telling the story because we hadn't really <laughs> heard the story together until we were being interviewed by the press. And I found out that. <laughs> oh, Sharon yeah. We was... both found out some stuff about the origins of the story. But I mean, essentially, uh, one of our um, uh, co-producers on the show um, had suggested to me that there might be something in the idea of you know a family moving into a house where you know uh terrible atrocities had had taken place and he and he asked if i thought there's anything in that and 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 i thought yeah there might be but i i sort of wanted to find uh you know a route that 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 i would be interested in and um so i thought it would be interesting if the woman who who moved into the house um the the mother of the family was was running away from something and you know was a bit sort of unstable mentally and that you were never sure whether the house uh which was you know possessed by the um uh, the spirit of something very evil whether it was actually in the house or in her mind and uh, so I thought, you know, yeah, I thought that could be fun. And I wrote up um, an outline for the idea, like, you know, fair amount of detail. And I was pitching it to uh, HBO. And then just at the point where um, they were going to pick it up, they said, um, Sarah Jessica Parker is looking for a show idea. Um, do you want to have a meeting with her? So then um, I stepped away and did divorce. And then I did catastrophe. And then I did something else. And Aaron Kaplan, who, who's the, the producer friend I was talking about, he, he kept thinking there's really something in this idea. And that's when Jeff- I just, the first time I heard that part of that story. That yeah, really yeah. Thank you, Always man. something new. This um, is a good Rashomon. And that, I remember and, um, that I had that idea and I was going to do a show for Sarah Jessica Parker, but then she was doing something with- No, I was I was doing uh, I was doing the, the, the second, and as it turns out, terminal, season of uh of my show trial and error and warner brothers um wanted me to do something else to uh earn my keep since they were paying us in like vancouver uh, <laughs> born i thought you're gonna say paying us in magic beans <laughs> yeah no, i wish they were they were like just like pelts and fur and pine cones and um i was like well this show's gonna last forever and yet here i am and uh, so I was like, I don't have an, I don't have an original thought. I don't like, because when I do something, um, as Sharon will know, because I'm doing this now, like I'm all in, in everything. It's all consuming uh, to the detriment of everyone around me. And um, so I was doing that show. And then, so I was like, I'll meet with Aaron Kaplan. I've known Aaron for a long time, see what he has. And he pitched me a bunch of things, including a Holocaust comedy. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this meeting's over. And then I was like, he's like, wait, there's, I have one more thing. 
which is always the one more thing which you should open the meeting with. Uh, he said, I'm doing something with Sharon Horgan. I'm like, go on. And I wanted to do genre bending. And he said, I'm doing, um, she had this idea to do The Shining as a comedy, which was really like reductive because that's, that's ultimately what it became, but it wasn't that her idea was much deeper than that. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm so fucking in on that and working with Sharon. And then we got on the phone and, and, you know, Sharon said, you think we can make something really scary and really funny? And I was like, yes, because I noticed that like whenever you're in a horror movie and you scream, you laugh after that. And I'm always, I'm just bored of writing. I've been writing jokes. I call them like knock, knock jokes for like 30 years on TV. <laughs> and this was just such a good way to like kind of expand the way to surprise people. And I was just like, um, and just to, to just put the finest point on this, the thing that really hooked me in, in Sharon's pages was the, 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 with the kind of the fact that uh, Sharon pulled up that women are more than twice as likely uh, as men to be possessed and depressed and the symptoms are the same. And I was just like, this is just fucking great. And uh, we just got on the phone and hit it off probably because I didn't realize Sharon was uh, at some bar on a Greek island. <laughs> oh, yeah, so this is the other thing. I was on, Aaron Kaplan was so keen for us to, to talk. I was like, I'm on holiday, dude. And he was like, I just want you to talk to Jeff. Just talk to him. He was rich. And uh, uh, so I was like, okay. So I like left my family in, in this lovely Greek taverna and went outside. And, 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 and really, it was great. It was a great call because he was so into it. And uh, it got me really excited about it. And then, you know, it's just really good to be really giddy about an idea before you start it. Like, I would recommend that <laughs> to all writers out there. Be deadly, be deadly excited. That's that's how I got my, like, last kind of important job. I, was, I never told you this story. There's two things I didn't tell you. Um, this story is probably less relevant to you, but I was meeting with, um, when, after I broke up with my partner, you know, you're always afraid someone's going to be Simon and someone's going to be Garfunkel. And he immediately got a job, a concert in the park. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, and uh, I didn't have a job. And then I, I read the script for New Adventures of Old Christine that was written by Carrie Lizer. And I was like, I really, and starring Julie Louis-Dreyfus, I was like, I really, really want to do this. Another friend of mine told me he already got the job. And I'm like, I have to do this uh, to the extent that I wrote a, a manifesto to my agent, which... Mercifully, I didn't send or else I would not have. <laughs> I, I've only sent a couple of manifestos in my life. One was Sharon knows about to the editor after seeing the first cut of this. And they're never good. Yes. Never... All your emails are manifestos. They're all I manifesto. It's so terrible. It's I really should have like a three-day delay on my manifestos, but I don't. Anyway, so I asked her afterwards, why did I get the job? And she said that you were like somebody with your much this as much experience as you have is usually not as excited about things. And I just, I do, when I get excited about something, I get excited. The other thing that was cool is Sharon and I talked for, I don't know, like an hour or something and about it, about the idea and, and things that we really saw things like really had the same points of references and had the same ideas of what we wanted to do with the show. And then Aaron's like, all right, let Sharon and me talk. And my assistant, and I, so I hung up and my assistant <laughs> stayed on the line and said, they're still talking. They didn't disconnect me. Do you want to, do you want to listen in? And that is just- What the hell? I know it's the worst idea in the world. And I was like, no, I don't. Because of course, I'm just going to thank Sharon goes, he sounded fat. Was he fat? And I was like, yeah, he's pretty fat. I'm like, no, I was just like, I, I, you don't want to hear that. Like, that's what people who say, like, would you want to be invisible? Like, you'd no want to be, why would you ever want to be invisible? You don't want to know what people are really thinking about you. So I was like, 
absolutely not. I do not want to hear what she has to say. I said, if you, if you were listening and it's positive, you could tell me that. And, and she said, oh, they like you. I said, okay, hang up, hang up, hang up. <laughs> and then that was it though. And it was like, I had the chance to listen in and I did That's not because it was, funny. why would I ever want to? So what, so Sharon, besides like the excitement that Jeff brought, what were you looking for in a partner for this project? Why did you need a partner for this project? Um, because I couldn't, I don't know. I, I think there's a few um, projects that, you know, I've come up with over time that I either thought I don't want to write on my own or, or I don't want to write at all, but I know I've got a really good idea, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, um, and it just felt like, I, I think initially when, when, when I, um, uh, when I kicked it off, I thought that it could be for me, but, but then I sort of realized that it wasn't, I just knew it needed more of a kind of, for want of a better word, nerd, you know, who could really get under the covers of it and really research the shit out of it and 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 just kind of wear it. And uh, and 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 the reason why um, it works. I am um, a lot of a better word, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, thought, I'm a nerd I as mean, well. genius you know, is a better word. word than nerd. But go ahead, I'll. I'll <laughs> no, it's funny. You know what I right. mean? And all a nerd is is someone who yes. really gets into something. You know, yes. really, someone who's excited about something. But um, uh, I um, I, I just knew it had to be someone who was really into um the joke of it as much as they were into the the comedy of it and as into the sort of drama of the mental health sort of side of it as they were into all the other aspects and so you know what it actually worked out way better than i even even hoped because you know um Je jeff uh was was sort of able to juggle all those things and you know i i stayed you know involved but not you know actively um um you know it was jeff who's sort of running the show and mm. and it was just um it, it's weird, weird it's just a tonal thing it's just like mm. if someone sort of sticks with the tone that you have in mind for the show then you, you're just kind of you're fine like you're safe you know and and it was just being able to juggle those three um, aspects and give equal weight to all of them and and just keep keep those plates spinning which is really hard by the way that's why it sort of nearly killed him but yeah. you know I was there to like with, with Sharon her was there with her own uh when Sharon talks to you with the Irish accent it goes down easy when it's written in an email <laughs> it's, it's a lot harsher you have to do it on the phone um the notes but it's very funny because right when i got off the phone with sharon i wrote the scene um did you see the pilot i did oh so i wrote the scene uh with the with the deer um mm -hmm. at at the end and that was like the first thing i wrote and i said here's a good example of how i think we can do horror and comedy together i don't know why that scene just came to me and then it's like okay mm -hmm. we just have to write things that lead up to that and well let's i i want to i want to talk about that aspect of it. I mean, Sharon, you mentioned tone and Jeff, it sounds like you were sort of the the steward of that tone, but I'm curious about how, like, what was baked in uh, from those initial pitch pages, from the initial conversations you both had, and then how did that tone evolve and, and sort of find the voice of the show? I, I think it was, it was the outlined as as a pilot episode, but it mm -hmm. wouldn't have had, you know, details. So it was outlined right, right up until you know rosemary says what are you doing in my house but but they were you know unfleshed out 
ideas and the characters were characters, but only in name, you know, they were, they didn't have fleshed out personalities. They were called those names. And, you know, I, I, it, it sort of, wasn't it a Jeff, it was kind of, outlined as a story. I, I, I came back to it just because this is like overnight sensation. We've been working on this for over two years. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I came back to those pages because it's like, you know, I think when you when you partner with somebody, it's like I said before, and this is if people want to really peel behind the curtain of neuroses. It's like, you know, I, I've Sharon is obviously a, a giant in this business. And, um, you know, I was just like, what what not only what do I bring, I, but also how do I manage that? And how am I going to be able to subjugate my own ego? Because like I'm a showrunner and I have my own ideas. And so um, I look, Sharon was very helped at, helpful with me subjugating my ego. Um, and um, she helped me subjugate it. Um, no, but Sharon was very, very generous in just saying like, from the beginning, like this is gonna be your, you know, your show, you're gonna run this, I'm doing my other thing. Um, but like Sharon really helped me find the tone and get away from you know, my, my joke, my joke writing of it, because I initially, every time I made like a sitcom reference, which is, you know, like she'd go, she'd write like, really, you can do a callback. I'm like, my house is built on callbacks, Sharon. <laughs> um, and, but it really made me, it really made me into a better writer because it all, it all had to come from character. And so there were a lot, a lot, a lot of drafts of this, but, you know, I think going through it, like, it really came together when we, you know, I had my ideas for it. I liked Pat being a writer and really leading into The Shining. I like the 50s housewife element of it just because I'm, I'm very interested in period stuff. And I'm also interested in um, just comparing social times to like what it would be like for a woman in the 50s versus Pat and each of them, how they each felt constrained and each felt like the other one kind of, you know, that, that there was something better about the other, the way the other one lived and, and, but I think really when we uh, when we got together and really fleshed things out, I think we really got the tone and we got the jokes and we got, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 then it's and then it's casting. Once you do that, really, you see what your cast brings to it. And, and this cast really just brought everything to it. But, um, you know, Sharon and I agreed on what the tone would be when I uh, uh, when I escaped from that. Sharon helped me back. And then I think also Sharon is very, very good with me saying like, well, that's really fucking funny. Let's try that. And, um, you know, it was it, at the end of it, as Sharon is wont to say, we're both whores for laughs. So that was, uh, you know, the, the key was like making sure that we weren't doing Scream and making sure that even though we hired the star of Scream and making sure we weren't doing scary movie. And really, you know, it was Sharon in the beginning who said she wanted to kind of create a genre that was that was like as scary as it was funny and both of them like really, really high. And, and you know, I think together and putting together our crew, we really did that. You touch on something that I think is worth talking about, and that is how we evolve as writers. Um, and I'm, I want to look at Shining Veil for sure, because you say it did, it did uh, help you as a writer. But I want to look you know, at these past few series that each of you has done as well and talk about like how have they made you better writers? How have they made you different writers, more mature writers? What have you been able to explore in recent series that you know, you couldn't have done 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, who do you want to go first? 
Well, I mean, I I think you're just continuously learning all the time, or I am. And what's great about most of us um, people who write comedy is that you know we're just like filled with self doubt and and sort of you know uh, just consider ourselves absolutely shit at our trade most of the time. So so for that reason, it makes you a really good student because you kind of always think you can do better or be better. So um, I think I I think all of uh, my shows have made me a better writer. Like some of them have made me a better collaborator. Uh, you know, some of them have, have made me um, better at handing over the steering wheel. Some of them have made me realize that I need to be the one driving it. Um, <clears throat> you know, the 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 importance of rewriting is just something that I'm always learning because I, I rewrite now way more way I mean the amount of drafts on on the show I'm doing at the moment is shocking and uh, not shocking but you know people, <laughs> people would be shocked and the same no, it's, it's, fail, it's, the it's absolutely true it, it's absolutely I'm sorry I'm cutting off your writing process and no no that that but it is true isn't it it's just an, an insane amount of of you know just like sculpting and and crafting and um what I used to do back in the day was, um, you know, I start my first sitcom was called Pulling and I, I wrote that with Dennis Kelly, who's just an absolutely brilliant writer. But um, we, um, you know, we, we, we just sort of immediately thought it had to be great. Like everything that, that came out of our, our fingertips had to be gold. And it really, um, you know, it really paralyzed me a lot. And, and it took me ages to find, um, you know, my confidence, because now I just think you just get it all down. Like you literally just get it down. And and then it's then when you start reducing it and making it richer and richer. And, you know, I, I'm not I'm not scared of that anymore. Like I've really learned how to outline like my outlines are many sort of novels, you know, they feel so funny that so like, much detail in there. I don't I don't think that you and I I don't think you and I, this isn't really good, Ben, because Sharon and I have, have never spoken about this. It's kind of, I've, I've done the same thing. The outlines for this show, um, I mean, every show, just going back for me, like, you know, I went off on my own and then I was working, you know, for on Julie Reed Dreyfus' show for five years and I had a great showrunner, Carrie Lizer, who really taught me how to have a short day and how to be decisive. And I think being a showrunner is about being decisive. And I've worked, you know, I worked on, on friends and, and, you know, we would work sometimes 26 hour days and that's why the show wasn't any good. Um, but no, but like, that's, a, that's a different kind of philosophy. Also, like when you get older and you have family right. that you can be with, you kind of don't have that energy. And then, um, and then the first show I ran by myself was, uh, was, was ground floor. And that allowed me to kind of, you know, just, my my big concern with running my first show by myself because I had a partner for these years is that how am I going to be able to hear other ideas and how am I going to and it's always insecurity and something a friend told me this is such a great advice um, when running a show uh, or any project he goes A's hire A's and B's hire C's and like in other words if you like <laughs> you're insecure you're going to hire people who are worse than you to make you look good and like oh, wow. I was like I'm not going to do that. And, um, you know, and I think if you hire other people, so I was like very concerned with like, am I going to hear the best idea or am I going to be insecure that how come the best idea didn't come from me? And um, thankfully, 
you know, I, I was able to do that. And then trial and error was just like very much in my mindset and exactly, I knew exactly what that show was. And then Shining Veil was really, really an evolution because trial and error was the first time I had done a single camera mm -hmm. show, but it was, you know, it was the reason I wanted to do a mock doc show was because I heard that modern family had short hours. Like that's honestly, <laughs> that was the reason. And I thought that the staircase would be a funny show. Um, <laughs> that's really it. And I pitched it. it, for it and it was, it worked. Yes. I pitched it for four years and, and, and they said, no. Oh and also another thing, which was very funny when I pitched this idea to Warner brothers, I pitched it to, um, you know, the three women executives at Warner brothers. And I said, you know, I, it's a, I said, it starts with, you know, a woman has an affair and, and, and I did the punchline. I said, you know, and it's uh, women are twice as likely to be depressed as men and possessed as men. And the symptoms are the same. And they said, you probably don't realize how offensive that is. Um, we're just telling you because when you go out with it, it's very, very offensive to say that. I said, it's Sharon Horgan's idea. And they said, we love this so much. <laughs> and so it was so amazing. So I, I knew I had the cover and like, also I was like, all right, I have the Sharon Horgan cover. Um, but you know, this also like, I'm very, very decisive, but I'm also, um, you know, it's also that I, I grew up doing like between 24 and 26 episodes, which now is just like, I can't even, it's fucking Normandy, but harder. And like, you know, now to do like, and then when I first did like 13, I'm like, oh my God, like, how are you going to do that? And then 13 seemed like too many. And then 10, now it's eight. So I would say the same thing as Sharon. This is a long way. Like the outlines for Shining Veil are probably 17, 15 to 17 pages long. I rewrite every one at least five or six times. And then there's five or six drafts. But so by the time they get to the table, there's there's been 12 drafts of this thing, you know, and that's also something you get when you a when you have a short series and also when it's very like it's very, very specific. Like we, we know the tone. I also implicitly trust Sharon and, and seemingly vice versa. So that like if Sharon says, hey, can we do this? Um, you know, it's the notes always taken because it always comes from a good place and a funny place and, and you know. Um, but yeah, it's a lot, a lot of work for outlines. And, and I think the toughest thing about a show like this, like my last show too, was a very specific tone and, and people like went to go wacky and went to go like, you know, Angie Tribeca or police squad, which it wasn't. And this, the tone with this also is very hard because people get jokey mm -hmm. with it. And I have horror writers and comedy writers and the horror writers go pure horror and the comedy writers go pure comedy. And it's really, really, really frustrating, but that's well, what. Let's talk about conveying that tone, even before you have a writer's room, like when you're pitching this thing and trying to get across, you know, the the real razor's edge that this tone walks. How how do you get that across? We acted it out like really, that's ultimately what came out was like we had Sharon. And I think that didn't help the is Sharon going to start that? Because it's like, people are like, mm. who did you write this for? Did you write this for Sharon? And I said like, no, I, I, I had Pat Phelps in mind. I had nobody in mind. I had, I kind of knew what she looked like and she had dark hair and I didn't know it was Courtney, but like, I kind of like thought this is who Pat was and everyone heard Sharon in it. I think because Sharon has such a, you know, smart voice. Um, and, um, but like, really, I think it was, I think it was like we acted it out. I think, Sh I think Sharon had probably did. Yeah. Her early pages, the the notion of the the uh, you know her daydreaming about sex and the kid and the family and and you know and then we 
then we had a little girl on the road and, you know, and the, you know, I, my first cut at this thing was so bloody and so gory. I was like horror. Yes. I mean like all this, like it was every room, every door you opened was like the elevators and the shining. And I had to like, and then Sharon's like, I think, I, I think it might be a bit too much. <laughs> like dexter like i'm like yeah, but when we, i remember when we were pitching it we um you know we 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 made the the scary bits sound as scary as they possibly could like we yeah. pitches are really weird because you know you want to kill yourself all the way through them oh, and they are the worst you just have yeah. people sitting opposite you going hmm. <laughs> i know not- i did this I went in this pitch with these two guys and they did such a great impression of when you're done with the pitch. It's just like, <sighs> <laughs> like you just like the comic, <laughs> like a cartoon dog with your. It's the like, worst. It's, it's the so worst. And, and, and so it's really, most of the time you, you sort of want to just like motor through it, just to get it done. But like with this, we really just took our time. Like when you're explaining a sort of spooky scene, you got to like, you know, you got to pair it back and sort of, you know pace it out and yeah it's, and, it's campfire uh, time right like yeah yeah you story. do you do and we sort of split it between us and you know i i always in my outlines and in my pitches i always always throw dialogue in because i just feel it's yeah, better than sort of explaining yeah. something just have the character say it and you don't have to do that character but you know you you end up sort of approximating it so and it also makes it, it makes it much easier when you get to the thing there's sometimes i don't know if you've ever done this but like I, my process is, is, is a terrible, terribly time consuming waste of time. Is that like, I will write something in my, I'll do an outline and then I'll write the entire scene in my head, but then not write it down. And then I'll try to remember it and then write it down. And then I'll go back to the outline and go, wow, that was really fucking good. Why didn't I just do this? And like, yeah. when I had already written in the outline. So there's so many times like you write dialogue in the outline, but then when you're writing it, you go astray and then you come back and like, Oh wow, this is really good in the outline. You can, I, I use a lot of what's in the outline. There's a lot, oh yeah, a lot because because the first listen, the first thing you think of is always the funniest. Like when I was writing with Rob Delaney on Catastrophe, I like <laughs> I, I I just used to be like writing down everything he said because when it came out of his mouth, it was so perfect, and I knew. And any time we we went through a phase of you know, we thought we should get a writer's assistant because clearly this show is going to go and and you know we can't sort of kill ourselves and you know I, I need to be able to think as well as as well as type and uh so we got a writer's assistant she was amazing but she just didn't take it down the way it came directly yeah. out of his mouth you know or directly out of my mouth or um and and it would just I I look at the notes at the end of the day and I'd be like what is this this isn't what he said this is what I said so like how it comes out first is is so important it's just like you know the thing that makes i know this is a terrible thing but you to say but the thing that makes you funny down the pub you know or with yeah. your family like that that sort of gut funny is what comes out of you first and i would sort of recommend I, it to anyone to yeah. just like get it down it, like, but it's really, it's really there's a really a loss in the transmission though because i and this is terrible i'll never tell my writer's assistant this but like i almost never look at the notes just because it's only to get me mad and um like a lot of times once we outline it and like i throw everything up there and then hone it down and then we do like broad beats and then more you know and then i'll do like story beats and then we'll really really flesh it out and then i'll start to look at it but like i oftentimes i'll blurt something out and it'll be like yes and like okay what i say because i have no idea what i said but i know i liked it and then you know the writer assistant is just like oh um the computer crashed <laughs> <Did it? laughs> 
<laughs> but, but, but yeah. Beyond even that, I mean, what to what Sharon was saying, like there's something, there is something lost in the translation, right? Oh, there's yeah. the the essence of what you said is there, but not the nuance of it. Yeah. Um, and, and then I want to talk about comedy for a second um, because. You know, Sharon, I think you have a great point that that thing that makes you funny down the pub is not the same as a crafted joke. And I think what we've seen from you for really all of the shows we know that you've you've written from pulling, you know, onward, it does have that very offhanded quality, that rawness to the kind of humor that comes through. It's a very human kind of humor. Um, these are jokes that come from an emotional place very often. Um, and Jeff, looking at what you've done, these are very crafted jokes you've made for, for the most part. Yeah. And I wonder about the, I think what Shining Bell has is that tension between those two things where Jeff, you're sort of unlearning, as you said, yeah. that network comedy writing, the knock knock jokes. Yes. Um, tell me about that a little bit and, you know, What's the fun in comedy? I think, well, that's a great question. It's like, I, I have to, like, it's very funny because I, when I, when I watch this show, I'm like, wow, I would never get a job on this show. Like, I was like, like, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get a job on this show. Like, I wouldn't hire me for this show. It's like, I've done a lot of jokes and stuff like that. And it's like, I, I'd like, it's just, but, but it's also because, you know, I've, I've really had to push myself um to not go for the easy joke but it's also like visually like i wrote mm -hmm. one of the and unfortunately it was one of my first jobs because i would have gotten a lot more out of it later was i wrote for an animated show called Duckman, and it was mm -hmm. like really my second job but like the guys who ran it these guys reno and osborne who wound up running moonlighting and west wing mm -hmm. um really painted the picture an emotional picture and and uh, and when you're writing when you're writing animation you write everything you write all these layers and, and that's kind of what i wanted to bring to shining Vale was that kind of like the depth to it and then you know and then we happen to have you know great directors and 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 a great set that all of it kind of plays and and you know look at the end of the day it's all about who you cast and you know you cast people who can bring nuance to it and subtlety like you couldn't like sharon and i always talk about you know Jake's line, Dylan's line, where, you know, maybe we can go out, you know, you know, seeing if there's a creek next by, next nearby. And it just said beat, I guess. And he takes just the longest beat in the world before he says, I guess. And it's just like, <laughs> can't fucking, I'm not taking credit for that line. Like, that's like, that's like, and the same thing with, you know, the same thing with the million lines, same thing with everything Greg says and how Courtney delivers a line and just, you know, the, the scene of them upstairs, like, you know, arguing about if there's a ghost where, which room it is, like, you need to get like an actor. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, I mean, I don't know, there's, there's all sorts of reasons why something, you know, becomes um, less sort of uh, manicured and more, more sort of, you know, wild and and it's it, it starts with with the character because the, if, if the joke is coming from the character it doesn't have to be a joke it's just yeah. that character being funny you know and 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 really um you know it's uh <laughs> it, it, it's also about like just making it sound so much like dialogue that 
and even if that's mm-hmm. just sort of adding stupid little, you know, ums and ahs or, yeah, you know, was, say getting something wrong or, or, or you, you, you know, fucking up a line and just going with it. I think that that can just sound so much more um, just real, you know, um, and and it takes a lot of work to make it sound effortless. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can do you can do a part of a, a script that that has everything in place and then you read it out and you go it just doesn't sound like talking yeah and Um, and that's 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 a key thing to um to it and i also had i think just because we we lived with this for so for so long like i knew what the character sounded like and i knew what and i and you know we said in the beginning that we're like you know it was going to be funny but they're only they're like two or three joke jokes in it just because i can't resist but like most of it is i mean if it's a great joke it's gonna go fucking in you know but um you know most of it is just like you know sharon and i said like in the beginning it's like what would you do like if you lived in a house you thought was haunted like you would react in a certain way and then and you know a lot of it is because in the same thing i did you know this is very different tonally than trial and error but trial and error i i, I made sure that everything hewed to very closely to how a real case would work and mm-hmm. everything really happened and this also like there's very distinct signs of mental illness and also possession and like i think when you when you have a real thing like that when you have like real borders on it 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 can't get too broad because it has it bumps up against those borders and i think just it's just painting with those lines mm-hmm. i mean it sounds like more esoteric than it is but like it's really important that you know i had one of my i said this so many times i've had you know one of my jill Bloatvogel, who was my like number two and a horror writer said things constantly like a demon wouldn't say that like, <laughs> yeah but it's really fun. like i wanted to get the line in, and ultimately i did but it had to wait until the demon would say it was i want to come inside you and pat like saying i don't that's not what you think it means and you know it's a 50s housewife saying i was like okay that's like objectively like a 50s housewife saying it's fine she's like a demon wouldn't say that i was like but but i'm gonna write it and she's gonna say it but like i couldn't do it because she was right a demon would not say that because a demon you know she's just looking at like what would a demon say in this thing so like I what's think, the reality I, of it yes so i think the fact that we have that that reality and um and then the other like my other comedy writers were like well ghosts aren't fucking real so they could say what we want them to say so i think it was that tension but i think that actually helps ground it i do want to talk about the actors since you brought them up um very often, you know, especially when we're looking at these longer episode uh, orders, you know, y- you get a chance to get to know your actors and then play towards, you know, tailor towards them, see what they bring to it and get we get to play with that. And it's this great give and take. Um, you didn't write this pilot with Courtney Cox in mind. Um, and Jeff, you just posted this article in which she talks about how she came knocking on your door. Uh, do you want to talk about that for a second? And then finding, you know, nuances within the characters within, again, this very short period of time. Yeah, uh, she didn't the literally come brought. knocking on my door. She's been to my house yeah. once and I think it was very uncomfortable, <laughs> um, to be clear. But she did call me out of the blue. And, and you know, it's very funny because we, you know, just looking at the people and this this happens, by the way for me at least all the time where you have this person in mind and you go out and then you're just like you the person you don't think of winds up doing it's like holy shit that was the perfect person all along and 
you know, and, and the reason that Courtney didn't come up for Sharon and me was because we were like, you know, we were all like, we have one big shot at this. We're going to do this. We're not going to do scream. And then it's like the star of scream wants to do. It. It's like, how do we keep that? Like, we didn't think of Courtney just because she was screaming. We like, okay, we've seen her True. kind of comedy. We've seen her kind of like horror. And it was just, you know, obviously she's one of the most famous people in the world and one of the, you know, best at what she does, but it's like, we've seen that. But when she called and really for me, it was like meeting, seeing her and her daughter, that dynamic. And Courtney just saying, like, first of all, Courtney says, I want to do this. You wrote this for me. I'm going to do this. It's like, well, that solves that problem, doesn't it? <laughs> and then, you know, and then Greg wanted to work with Courtney. And then it's like, well, there we go. You know, it's like, okay, well, we know this is on the air now. Um, do we have to change the tone? And really, there were only like three lines, I think, in the pilot that we had changed. And I couldn't tell you what they were. And they were just because they didn't feel, she, as she said, she said, that, that doesn't feel right in my southern mouth, which sounds <laughs> dirtier than it is. Um, but like, that was the reason she said, I can't say that with my southern mouth. Um, but she really wanted to, she really, like, this character really spoke to her. And she said that in like the article that she talks about in, in the time. I don't know. If, did you see that article that Sharon, that you and I were reading no. for the LA Times? I'll no. send you a copy. It's so beautiful. And she Is really, it? Oh, please do. I've never seen an article in the calendar that where I'm mentioned at all that didn't have me calling my lawyer saying, <laughs> "Is am I okay? <laughs> or my wife? And this was just like, it was a love affair with the show. It was just a love affair with the show and, mm -hmm. and with her. And it was just really beautiful. I'll send it to you. Um, but it was in yesterday's LA Times. So many people like, you know, saw it. And it was really, really great. But, um, you know, she did say that. She said, like, I've not had a chance. Nothing's been written in my voice before. And it just didn't sound like the, you know, it wasn't we like, is this going to be Monica in a haunted house? Like, is that the show we're going to do? And it wasn't that at all. Like, she mm -hmm. brought such a. It was so easy for her. And in fact, one time when we were doing a scene and we like, you know, you shoot this out of order and, you know, and obviously, and sometimes you shoot two episodes at a time. And there was one, and I've spoken to Courtney before and I was like, oh, Greg did, uh, Greg was on Friends. She was like, was he, who was he? I said, he was Ross. And, you know, she <laughs> laughed, but it was like, it was like that, like, she's just, she's, she's like a, a magnate. Like she's got, she's got like a soap business, like, <laughs> you know, like that's how big she, you know, she's like Andrew Carnegie and like, I'm like, and she never missed a line. I was like, how do you not miss a line? Like, there's no chance she could tell me what she had for dinner the night before or, you know, but I was like, how do you not miss a line? She said, because the dialogue is just what I would say as this character. So <laughs> like for her, it just. I completely trusted her and, and she, somebody else said that. So the article said like, usually it takes shows like a little while to get into it. And this was just like, we just cast the perfect people for it. Mm. Like, and also I think because they hadn't really, for what I've said and Sharon can speak to this maybe more experientially, but like, you know, what, what Courtney told me, what Mira told me was that like women don't get a lot of chance to play women in their fifties who are complex they're usually just like really, really broken or done with it, over it. Like as Mira said, every role she gets now is as a cop who's over it. Like, you know, her uterus has been <laughs> taken out, thrown in the closet, and now she's got a gun and she's out for vengeance. Like, it's like, it, it was, I don't know, it was just a chance to write, you know, just deep, real stuff. And, and the cast just fucking threw themselves into it. Yeah, and I think that is a testament to, I mean, Sharon, from your initial pitch, right? Like, there, it's something baked into this that, you know, women in their 50s are most likely to be possessed or depressed. And I think that 
that's attractive as something to play. It's complex and it's nuanced and it's also really funny. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, they, I mean, that's what makes the, the best characters, you know, when they're complex and uh, uh, difficult or awful, <laughs> messed up, you know, selfish or, um, or, or, or murderous fifties housewives. I mean, they're, they're, there's, they're they're unusual characters. They're not characters you see every day. And um, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's definitely a different um, it, it's a different arena than it was, you know, even five years ago for for good female stories. That's because there's so many female writers and showrunners and directors and stuff now. So so it's and it's changing all the time. But you know, it's. Um, it's it still it still has a long way to go and and i really think you know um for for actresses of a certain age of course they're gonna of course they're gonna um gravitate towards um parts and characters like this because they're they're like as rare as hen's teeth you know it's it's really really unusual to find something like this um but um but yeah i mean mira as well Honestly, the 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 gusto she she gave just to that one line in the pilot that she had. I mean, we just thought we were like chanting our arms, even like you know, thinking for a second that she would do it. But she, you know, sort of Jeff did a really good pitch about you know who the character was in the series and and where where she would go. And and I think it's really easy to say that stuff, you know. But I, I do think people sort of trusted us you know they they trusted that we wanted to make something really really different and really layered and and you know to push it as far as we could and and you know and, and thank god they did and, and yeah came on the and, us it's sort but, of but i think it also yeah. like that's why it was also important for me to like really surround myself by like women with strong voices on this too because i knew that that was going to be um I knew that that was going to be like an important part of it. And a lot of this I got just like from these conversations with Sharon and just seeing her like, you know, and I have teenage kids and seeing Sharon deal with her kid. And I was just like, and we said at one point, cause we had talked to some other people and we're like, we have to cast a mother because nobody knows that hell. Nobody knows. Yeah. But specifically the mother of a teenage... The mother of a teenage girl. That's a very, very specific hell. And, you know, joy as well. But I I, I mean, I'm really excited for people to watch until the end, you know, and then I'll be sad because it'll be over. But I really want them to see the the journey that Pat goes on and that Courtney takes her on because, like... I, I I emailed both Jeff and Courtney the day I got the first cut of um, the last episode because I was like I was crying you know I was yeah. so it's 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 funny as well don't worry <laughs> you know, it just really goes somewhere that's great dark and moving. I know and that, but that's that's the thing also that I I love about it it's like my favorite my favorite things and obviously you know Sharon is, has does this better than anybody's like if you can write a comedy that makes people cry it's like that's you've done your job because people are like really to laugh like you're kind of like opening yourself up you open that hole and then like then you you know you you get them to cry and to really feel and and it's funny i was just i was texting with courtney this morning just because i you know she wrote that nice article and because i'm i need to get any type of approval i can because after all i'm still me uh, <laughs> 
quite a great article about how much you love the show, right? <laughs> and so we were just talking and we were talking about the show and I asked if it was in the press towards, but it was really like, you know, it's the first time we were showing this little thing to people that was been our thing. And like, people were like really into it. And I asked her, I said, like, you know, is, and, and she said, yes. And she said, it's very, very weird. It's very weird. And she said, you know, it feels weird that I've been so vulnerable about this. The, the, the cover of the, the calendar um, section, Sharon, is how Courtney fought for and won the role of her career. Aww. And that's our show. And I was like, oh shit, I hope they mention our show in this article. Like scream six, come on, Courtney. Just <laughs> and it was the article was about that. And I was just like, oh my God. And she said, she said, I'm, I'm so open and so raw about this. And like, I really hope, and I said, look, I am too. And I, I like, we're looking at this as like, you know, this is, you know, at the end of the day, we're doing a TV show. It's really exciting is, is what it is, you know? Yeah. And, and do you know what? I honestly think that um, comedy is, is, is such a, such a great place to, 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 to take an, an emotional um, storyline. I, I remember like, I can't remember what season it was of catastrophe, but there, you know, there's something really sort of dramatically, um, driven in it and and I remember my partner at the time saying you know I you know how much they loved it and and just going I'd really like to see you do more of that like I was like more of what he's like more of that like drama stuff and I was like why why there's no way it wouldn't have been as dramatic without that ridiculous before and after like that's why you're so moved by it and that's why you, you you know that's why you enjoyed it so much and that and and to me it it's really hard it's it's harder to do to do that i i think you know it's harder to keep those all those um balls in the air you know and and that's the challenge and that's what gives you such um such a good feeling when when you can pull it off you know but but i think what i also like i um what i loved about this and 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 i think this is like saying the same thing there is that like it's really comedy only works if there are stakes to it and like a lot of times on sitcom the stakes are you know silly and you know i, I was i for years i mean way too many years probably five years in a row i did you know you do a story about a 40 year old guy who just wants to get a blowjob for his birthday <laughs> it's just like and it's sure the stakes seem high and it's just like wow that's a great that's a great somehow the stakes weren't high <laughs> and and you're pitching this also every every development executive really up until the top and now at the top is a woman so it's really not it's just like it just hits a wall and then when i did trial and error like i said like it was about a guy who potentially murdered his wife and how to get past that but like the stakes were life and death for the character and this is just like the stakes are not only like on a granular level the stakes are a marriage but on a macro level it's a person's sanity so everything they are and on an even bigger level it's the devil like, so it's like really like there's so many levels here where the stakes are so high and it does like, you know, you look at the trauma of your life and those are real, the real stakes and the things are, it's always with your family, always, always a hundred percent of the time. It's, it's keeping your family together or your sanity together. That that's where the stakes are. That's where like, and these stakes are like this, you know, it's the, the stakes are real. And I think that allows you to also, you're, you're turning the temperature so high in this that either you're going to get a scare or you're going to get a laugh either way, because you're, you're making the audience so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I mean, I think 
making the audience uncomfortable is just, I mean, that's the gift. Well, that's right. That's us at our most vulnerable is with yeah. horror and comedy and it's the characters that they're most vulnerable. Um, Shining Veil is out right now. You can watch it on Stars. Folks should check it out. Thank you both so much for chatting today. Uh, Shining Veil out now. Uh, folks can watch it. Eight episodes. Um, come back anytime. This is your delight, both of you. Amazing. Aww. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sharon. I'm going to go and cook for my kid. All right. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.